I'm feeling good. I'm super excited. I'm so glad that you were able to do this. <laughs> me too. I you t- when you texted me yesterday about doing this, I was I got super excited and proceeded to geek out the rest of the day because I was like, I this is my one shot. This is my one shot. I have to take it. Uh, I've been waiting basically since the first episode. I've been asking for this since the first episode. Um, yes, you have. I have. And I've been ready. And I've, I've literally said to you multiple times, I have a great person. I have a great lady that I want to do. And I'm not telling you because I want to do the lady. You never thought that I would ask you. And I didn't. I was, I was going to keep banging on that door until you let me in. And I'm so shocked that you let me in this quickly. <laughs> I was just being nice to you, you know? It was like, you just wouldn't stop no, bothering but, me. No, but actually you are. Because uh, I don't. <laughs> I think you know this. We've talked about this before. But I remember you're not the best with birthdays. But my birthday's at the end of the month. Oh, shit. And it's God. actually, it's suck, actually on sorry. a Wednesday. So this is like, this is the best birthday present. <laughs> I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? bitch, I've been a rebel all my life. We will not remain hidden figures. We have names. Oh, if it's naughty to ruse your lips, take your shoulders, take your hips, and let a lady confess I want to be bad. I didn't kid you, did I? Well, now you know. Welcome to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Yay. I'm Hannah, and I've got a guest host with me today. Yay. You want to introduce yeah, yourself? Yeah, I'll introduce myself. My name's Alyssa. Um, clearly, I'm a friend of Hannah's and a very big fan of the show. Um, you had an email that we I read did. a little while ago. So for anybody who has listened to all of our episodes, you might recognize Alyssa's name from that. And, I think I used um, my nickname for that, you? just in case for anonymity. Anonymity. Um, we have not been drinking. No, just tea. Mm-hmm. Just tea and coffee, because <laughs> it's Friday afternoon. <laughs> I know. And, oh yeah, it's International Women's Day yes. as we're recording this. Which we did not plan. No. It, just a happy accident. It worked out very nicely, I have to say. Um, and Deanna is not here because she's off doing amazing things. And so we are, you know, doing doing our thing without her, sadly. But she will be back for the next one. And uh, I'm going to try and fill her shoes in as best I can. <laughs> <laughs> you got this. Um, actually, since it is International Women's Day, which I obviously didn't know until <laughs> earlier this morning, um, I found there's unwomen.org kind of did a timeline of International Women's Day and some of the things that prompted it. Um, Obviously, you know, women's suffrage was one of those (laughs) things. Um, But the first International Women's Day was in 1911, which I had no idea. That's farther back than I would have thought. That's so early. Yeah. I had no idea. Um... And it was, you know, women's suffrage was what prompted it. And it's an, in its early years, the day becomes a mechanism to protest World War I. Crazy. Yeah. Most notably in Russia, a large women-led demonstration broke out uh, and they were demanding bread and peace. And four days later, the Tsar abdicated. Now, a Russian national holiday, the day is what some historians believe ignited the Russian Revolution. Ah, how crazy is that? That's pretty wild. I had no clue. I mean, 
women are pretty much responsible for all <laughs> the amazing things that happen. Although the Russian Revolution, maybe amazing is not the correct word for it. Significant. Significant. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, they have this like super long, awesome timeline. Um going back as far as the 1840s it looks like and I'm not going to go into any of that cuz I want you to be able to get into your into your uh lady my lady but I will link to this in our show notes cool. so that you guys can have access to this timeline it's so long <laughs> <laughs> and it has a lot of really cool information so I wanted to um Bring that your way on that International awesome. Women's Day. I definitely am going to have to look at that later. Yes, you are. Um, so just a, I have a pre-story before my actual lady. Tell me. Um, but, so I want to make a joke, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but let's get biblical, biblical. Um, <laughs> because oh, no. this, I promise, I'm, yes, let the Muslim, the very, very, very lax Muslim girl tell you about the Bible. The Muslim girl who went to Catholic school. Yes, who also was sent to Catholic school um, <laughs> for eight years. Uh, Which means you know more <laughs> about all religion. I actually, I actually, I think <laughs> I do. I'm like kind of a scholar. Yeah, um, absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I'm going with it. But let's go with it. So we're getting biblical for a second. I'm going to take you all the way back to the Old Testament. Please do. Um, we're going to talk about the book of Judith. Which I actually is surprising. Wow. I didn't realize that it wasn't in the Protestant Bible. It is only in the Eastern Orthodox and Catholic Bible. Uh, I could have done more research into why that is. I did not. I didn't know there were that many Bibles. So <laughs> there are a lot of different of versions of the Bible, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh my, my favorite, um, there are actually a series of books that are, um, one of them is, I think it's the Book of Timothy, which is basically just all jesus as a child stories and it's insane it's like a twilight zone episode where there's an old twilight sorry i'm gonna be a little bit of a nerd for a second and go off no, on a you tangent should, because you are like <laughs> you know so much about all of about this. tv and and apparently religion yeah. um we're gonna need to have you back here um as book of timothy <laughs> There's a Twilight Zone episode where it's a little kid and he has godlike powers and he basically runs this town, but because he's a child, he doesn't have like good impulse control, gets <laughs> mad. And anytime somebody ticks him off in the um, town, he says, into the corn. And he sends you into the corn and you just disappear and nobody knows what happens to you. Wait, this is the Bible or the Twilight, Twilight Zone? Twilight Zone. <laughs> but in the book of Timothy, there are stories of Jesus as a little child basically gets mad at a kid for doing something that annoyed him, smotes him, and then one of the adults comes over and goes, Jesus, you can't do that. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, okay, and then he brings him back to life. Um, and there are a bunch of like crazy <sighs> books like that that don't actually make it into the official Bible. Um, there's a book of Judas and a book of Mary Magdalene, um, which are not in the Bible. You're but, blowing my goddamn yeah, mind it's right now. Really, really fascinating. I had a really cool. I again, I went to Catholic school for eight years, so I had a professor in college who um, taught us. I was in like his intro to New Testament, and he had us read some of those books. He didn't actually become a Jesuit, but he like started the training to become a Jesuit, and then stopped and 
like got married instead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as you do. As you do. And But he was like one of the smartest, most like open individuals I've ever met in my entire life. And his just he just wanted everybody to know everything. Like total, total, like wanted to learn everything, wanted to share his knowledge with everybody. It was That's really the cool. Dream. Um, so yeah, so I read the book of Timothy in his class um, and was completely floored and was like, this is this is crazy. I need to read more of this. Um, but anyway, back to the book of Judith, which is the point. Um, it is a book in the Old Testament, like I said earlier, that tells the story of Judith. Fair. Um, and she is a daring and beautiful widow. And it follows her story as King Nebuchadnezzar um, sends his army and his general Holofernes. I'm definitely saying that wrong. Sorry. <laughs> You've to... heard this podcast. <laughs> you know we can't pronounce there are, anything There are for a shit. lot of things in Italian today that I'm just going to butcher and <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he sends his general Holofernes to go conquer Israel as you do. As you do in biblical times. Yeah. Um, and she lives in a mountain pass t- town called Bethulia. Um, and when the armies come, they want to surrender to Holofernes because they're just, they're scared. They're like, oh, God, this is not good. We're going to get decimated. <laughs> um, Judith gets pissed. She's not having this because she is mad that her town is, like, not trusting in God to save them. Mm-hmm. Um, so she oh. concocts a scheme. Wait until you hear about this lady. So she <laughs> and her loyal maid go into the camp of the enemy. Um, and Holofernes thinks she's super hot. He's like, <laughs> he's into it. He's into it. Uh, he oh wants to seduce God. her, um, but she turns the tables on him. She basically, you know, lets him think he's seducing her, tells her, tells him, I'm going to tell you all the secrets on how to beat the Israelites. Like, don't worry. Um, gets him drunk. He gets so drunk, he passes out in his tent. The second he is out, she decapitates him. Oh, fuck. Yes, decapitates oh, him. this is getting... Get, it's getting Old Testament. It's getting Old Testament in here. It is getting <laughs> Old Testament in here. I did not expect that yeah, at no, all. Decapitates him. <laughs> oh she God. and her maid smuggle his head back out of the camp Ew. and hang it off of the, like, walls. That oh. run around the town. Very Game of Thrones. Um, very Game of Thrones. Uh, Holofernes, his army, when they see that, freak out because, of course, their general is dead. How did mm-hmm. this happen? Like, that's his head. Yeah. Uh-oh. We better not mess with him? them. Yeah, exactly. So then they're freaking out, and the Israelites win. Um because they're like so disorganized and yeah because there's just like our leader is gone what do we do what do we do and they're just like come in there and are like ha get out of here you invaders um (laughs) um but judith is hailed a hero she's courted by many but stays unmarried for the rest of her life uh as as a widow does apparently okay um but so the reason i want to tell you guys that story is it has um and actually in my note i say at the top of the new section of notes, I say, so why this chick? Um, why am I telling you about her? And it is important because I'm going to be talking about an artist today. And this oh. is an image. And I actually, I went back through the catalog of, uh, the backlog of episodes. And I don't, I think you guys, you've done a photographer. Mm-hmm. You've done a fashion designer. You've done a bunch of muses. 
mm-hmm. but you haven't actually done like a painter before. I think this is the first painter. I have one in my queue, but I haven't. But you haven't done it yet. I haven't done yes. it. So if it's the one I'm... I'm- if it is, I'm going to crack up. Um, but anyway, let me back up very quickly and say that this um, this image of Judith slaying Holofernes is very, very prevalent in art. Um, you can literally see it from classics. Think Donatello and Michelangelo. And if you look oh. at that, you will see images. Alyssa printed me pictures. I printed pictures. Um, so the top one is from the Sistine Chapel. So like literally Michelangelo. Oh, yeah. Um, and all like into more contemporary I think if you flip the page there should be a ver- or yeah uh, top of the page is Gustav Klimt's yep, version of Klimt. it um, which I had actually never seen before and I think it's my new favorite one because um, it's got a little titty in there so you would <laughs> never see it in the dentist's <laughs> office no you wouldn't um, and yeah that actually when, no that's we'll be talking about Klimt and I don't want to talk about a boy I want to talk about a girl <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of the images, though, if you keep flipping through, you'll see, um, they're usually, like, right before, so, like, right as she's about to bring the sword down, or Mm -hmm. right after when they're trying to smuggle the head out. There aren't a lot of images that are, like, mid-act, and there's a version in there that's by Caravaggio, um which is our artist our artist is part of his school of painting um oh shit i know who this is yes you do um but so the reason i love this one is because it is mid-act but if you look at her face and it's like kind of gory but if you look at her face she sort of looks like i had a um in my notes it's a oh dear this is going to quick make quite a mess how gross expression like she's like not (laughs) into it that's very true it's very dainty you're gonna have to um email me I, this that's, picture do, do not yeah. worry i have an entire word doc that Girl. i'm going to email you later with oh like God. all my sources and stuff oh yes very quickly i just i used a bunch of different sources which i will have hannah put in the show notes because mm-hmm. i don't know how to do anything um <laughs> yeah. but i wanted to say a particular shout out to one um one writer her name is alexa goddard i hope i'm saying that right um but she wrote an article for Artsy, um, mm-hmm. which uh, I really like that website. It's pretty good. You have to sign up for them, but it's free. Um, and it's just like a cool place to look at art. And like I sort of use it as like a fine arts Pinterest. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that. But she wrote an article for Artsy, and I will literally just be reading directly from her article later because <laughs> she okay. said it very well. Yeah. Um, so good job, Alexa. Are you a good witch or a bad bitch? Let us know by becoming a patron on on our our Patreon. Patreon. (laughs) Oh, no. Patreon is a service that helps content creators like ourselves keep the ship going and make sure that we're able to cover all the costs that uh, come along with doing our podcast. And the more patrons we get, hopefully the more content we can start creating exclusively for patrons. Yes. So if you are interested in something like that, please become a patron so that we can start creating that content for you. Also, when you become a patron, you will get a shout out on our podcast and we will thank you personally on air. How exciting is that? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can find us at patreon.com slash podcast. Yeah, so uh, I am doing 
a artist named Artemisia Janileski. Girl, <laughs> girl, girl. Um, who oh. I will make sure that the her her version um is in there and I will explain why this rocked my world when I saw it the first time. Um, but it is real like she is not afraid of the gore or showing a very determined woman who is trying to save her people. Um yeah. so yeah. Actually, so we'll start by I, I think I Is she um, on your list? She is not. Um she so actually I'm really glad you're gonna be talking about her because there's another artist on my list who mm-hmm was sort of prevalent around the same time, and they are often compared. Are they? Who? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk about you. it later. But I think that Blood Water Paint is about Artemisia. Oh. So I just want to check on that really quick because I mentioned Blood Water Paint um, in one of our very first episodes, I think. And um, yeah. So Blood Water Paint by Joy McCulloch. Oh. McCulloch? 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 I don't know. I've um, never heard of that. I'll link to it. It's it's a YA novel in verse Ooh. from her perspective. Ooh. It's when did it come out? Last year. Okay, that's why I didn't find anything yeah. on it when I was doing my research. It has it has a lot of, I think, awards at this point, so it's worth checking out. I will definitely be buying that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so to tell you a little bit more about Artemisia Genileschi, um, she is an early Italian Baroque painter. Um, and the only female follower of Caravaggio, who, that's the other painting with the, oh, this is going to make quite a mess expression. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was at a time when women were not easily accepted into art, the artistic community or by patrons. Um, and she was the first woman to become a member of, and this is the first Italian I'm going to butcher today, the Accademia di Arte del Designo in Florence, which is just the Academy of Art and Design in Florence. Um, and she had a bunch of rich international clientele. She was a um, she worked um, for King Charles the uh, First and the Medici's. <laughs> oh, those guys! <laughs> and that, when when you say that, you mean like they commissioned her to come and like paint them? Yeah, basically paint them or paint works for them. Um, she was known for painting strong and suffering women from myths and allegories, especially the Bible. Um, one of her notable works besides Judith slaying Holofernes, um, which she did twice, actually. Um, Judith slayed him twice? Yeah, she slayed him twice. One of them, the (laughs) one that I am presenting to you and saying this is why I picked her, um, is her earlier one. But then when she was older, she did a version where it's them trying to smuggle the head out of, um, (laughs) out of the camp. Um. Oh my god. Yeah, she's pretty great. Uh, she did victims suicides and warriors um she's known for being able to convincingly depict the female figure um anywhere between nude and fully clothed um i often joke with my friends who are also into art and love michelangelo um that his his women are just basically men with boobs (laughs) um so gee i wonder why she could paint the female form well maybe it's because she had one Um, so strange so weird gosh oh my goodness um that reminds me of like really really old art where you see like babies (laughs) they look like little little, old men (laughs) man bodies i love i I actually love those i think they're hilarious um medieval painting man they're (laughs) just 
Oh, they were the, still figuring shit they out. Were, they were they had the plagues to deal with. They had a lot going on. Um I don't yes, blame them did. for their little old man babies. Um <laughs> Yeah, so she is celebrated as being a painter from that time period with a uniquely female perspective. Again, she didn't have a lot of competition. Yeah. Um so just to get into her life, she was born either in 1950 or 19 or not 1950. That's like, way wow. too late. I have number dyslexia. I'm convinced of it. 1590 or 1593, um, sources are conflicting, Um, to the celebrated painter Orazio Gentileschi and Prudenzi di Ottaviano Montoni. That was, you got a little spin on that. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's because I married into an Italian family. Uh Um, Don't let them listen to this. (laughs) Oh, God, no. Uh, I will not be telling them about this. Um, she was the oldest child and the only girl. Um, her mom died when she was 12, so she was pretty much raised by her dad and her brothers. Um, she grew up in her father's workshop and showed way more promise than her brothers. Um, despite that, her dad still tried to send her away to a nunnery. Um, God, they're always doing that. They are. However, from all the sources, so it seemed like she and her dad actually had a pretty decent relationship. Um, and it seems, or at least from the sources that I found, it sounded like this was him trying to be like, okay, like, let, like, it was just a bunch of dudes, you're a girl, we should send you where the girls go, like, so that you're around other ladies. Um, also, like, I can tell you want to be a painter, but, like, this is not a good path. Like, this is not, like, he was trying to save her. Um, trying to save her because at the time, and keep in mind, this is, like, 1600s Italy, um a very very different time yes. um it was uh because uh at the time women's work remained semi-clandestine and informal as an artist um and it was just sort of seen as like something that could subordinate like what your family needed you to be doing um a lot of the artists mm. from that time were wealthy aristocrats, especially in Italy. So it was more of like a hobby for them because they didn't actually have to take care of their kids because they had nursemaids. Yeah. Um, and it was clear. She was like very stubborn, was not going to – she was like, nope, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. <laughs> so he finally caved and was like, okay, you can be my apprentice. Um, she learned to draw, mix color, paint, um, was heavily influenced by Caravaggio mostly because her that was who her dad was studying under. Yeah. Um, and was very close with, apparently. He was um, a big deal. He is I a mean, super big deal. He's, like, the father of Baroque painting, basically. Like, yeah, his use of, like, light and color, big deal. Very, very big deal. Um, I feel like it's a sign when you're an artist that if you are known by, like, one, like, Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, when you say Michelangelo, you know who you're talking about. Caravaggio. Yeah. You know who you're talking Like, he. Yep. When you're down to one name, it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> down to one name. Yeah. So like share. just to get tell you guys a little bit more about Baroque art, it's characterized by great drama, rich, deep color, and an intense use of light and dark shadows. It's meant to evoke emotion, passion, um, instead of the calm rationality that had been prized during the Renaissance. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, another... Peter Paul Rubens is another big one, and Rembrandt were also Baroque painters, oh. um, but they were in the Netherlands, not in Italy. Oh yeah, that makes um, sense. 
so she was kicking butt as a painter from a very young age she was basically like a wonderkin um the painting i mentioned earlier susanna and the elders is her earliest surviving painting um sometimes wrongly attributed to her dad but it's hers and she painted it when she was 17 damn dude yeah um it just depicts a biblical story in which a fair and pious wife is ogled by a group of lecherous male elders as she bathes. Though it wasn't <laughs> uncommon, an uncommon subject at the time, Gentileschi rendered it differently um, in her version, the woman being aggressed and her response upon discovering it uh, takes center stage. So, like, she's actually, look like, she knows she's being watched and is appalled by it. Yeah, not as much male gaze. But yeah, not into the male gaze. Unlike other representations, um, Genileski's has an expressive core um, of the heroine pl- heroine's plight um, and not the villain's anticipated pleasure. So it's, Ooh. yeah, that is not, I didn't say that. I want to give Mary D, I'm going to say this one wrong again. Her last name is Jared, I think, okay. um, who is actually Genileski's biographer oh um so so yeah so she gets credit for that quote that was not me um she knows what she's talking yes. about by the time Janileski was 19 her dad would boast about her um talents uh saying that she had no peer um and she'd only been practicing for about three years at that point um that's insane yeah she, again wonderkin she was real good uh, in 1611, Horacio was working with a landscape painter named Agostino Tassi um, to decorate the vaults of Casino del Musee <laughs> inside the Palazzo Palavin. I can't. It's uh, something in Rome. Okay. Big old fancy building in Rome. Um, Fair. And they hit it off. They became friends. Uh and co-workers uh and he actually hired tassie to tutor artemisia mm-hmm. um and this is where it gets a little rough so trigger warning um tassie actually raped her um uh, and after he did it's it's actually crazy because all of the um he got taken to trial um oh. yes in 1600s Italy um but he got taken to trial and all of the court records are apparently are I couldn't I mean I don't know how to find them yeah I tried a little bit but not that hard um but apparently you you can you can see them you can still see them they have survived you can read them um oh yeah it's wild uh but anyway after he raped her he said to her and I'm assuming her father uh don't worry I'm going to marry her. Ugh. I got to do it to restore her honor. You know, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Um, but when it became clear that he was not going to follow through on that promise, uh, Horacio took him to court. Note that the dad took him to court, not Artemisia. Um, I think yeah. that was because women couldn't actually. Again, I didn't. You guys, I did a lot of research, but I did not do that much research. It's okay. I also roped you into this like very last minute. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I am assuming that that was because women couldn't take part in court, um, proceedings. I think that's fair. But or, so, like, because she's his property yeah. in, in a way, like, she's still under her dad's yeah, care. Yeah, under her dad's care. Um, so, but Horacio took him to court. The trial took seven months. Wow. Um, 
It was a huge sensational trial at the time. It was basically a huge deal in Rome. It was like what everybody was talking about and gossiping about. Um, That's, that seems strange to me, but maybe it's just because like because they had some level of fame. Yeah, I think it might have been, you know, well, also, like, I don't think a lot of rape trials came, like, 1600s yeah. Italy. Like, I don't think that's happening a lot. Um, yeah. Anyway, she had to testify. Um, she was subject to torture by thumbscrews um, to make sure she was telling the truth. And at one point, Wait. midwives... Yes. Wait. Yes. They, so they tortured made her, her? The court tortured her? Mm-hmm. To make sure she was telling the truth. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, oh my god again 1600s italy um you're the victim here let's torture you to make sure you are still the victim yes it gets worse hold on because they also had to have midwives determine whether or not she had lost her virginity recently or a long time ago because (laughs) oh because one if she wasn't actually a virgin uh or asio couldn't sue tassi so this was only like if he deflowered her that it mattered because if she was already ruined goods, then she was already ruined goods. Right. Yeah. It's the purity that's at yes, stake. The here. purity is at stake. Um, oh God. Yeah. Ugh. So gross. Um. But one of the reasons they had to have the midwives examine her was because Tassi accused her of not being a virgin at the time. Um. Said that she had many lovers and that um. And then this is my favorite part because I was like, this is this is how much of a petty dick this guy was he said that her skills were so pitiful that he had to teach her the rules of perspective and that's what he was doing on the day she claimed he raped her oh um, yeah uh he also denied having any sexual relationship with her um and brought witnesses to testify that she was an, an insatiable whore whoa yeah witnesses 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 um gets even um yeah gets even like he's he's a dick you'll hear why in a second Uh but basically erasio was like i'm not fucking having this like uh uh-uh um and brought a former friend of tossie's in who recounted tossie boasting on multiple occasions of sexual exploits with artemisia at her expense um during the trial, and this is why the, he's he Tassi is a real real dick. Um, you find out it comes up that he was also having an affair with his sister in law. Oh. Um, and he actually had already been married, and his wife had just disappeared a couple months ago, and it was it was discovered that he had made plans to kill his wife. Um, did he go through? Did he actually kill her? I can't find anything on that specifically. It seems like maybe, yeah. Probably, yes. I'm oh, assuming God. she ended up dead, um, which I feel so horrible for her. Uh, this guy's a fucking monster. Fucking monster. Oh, excuse me. Um, he was convicted of the rape. Oh. Um, conflicting sources on what his actual punishment was supposed to be. It was either he was sentenced to eight months in jail, five years in jail, had to be exiled from Rome, um, but whatever the sentencing was, it doesn't actually matter because it was never carried out. Whatever he was supposed to, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah okay. And then I actually found one source uh, that said he was later welcomed back into the Gentileschi home. I couldn't find Whoa. another source to confirm that, but just to show you how fucked that entire situation was, that that's... Uh, I'm Poor Artemisia. Mm-hmm. Like, really... Tortured with thumbscrews, you finally, you like, he gets convicted, but then he doesn't get 
punished uh and then your dad lets him back into the house well you can see why people didn't ever bring it up yeah because Um, you get tortured with thumb screws if you do uh, because you know what? Mm. Women can't be trusted. No. We can't. We're dirty, dirty whores, and we are <laughs> awful, awful liars. Happy International Happy Women's Anna Day. International <laughs> Women's Day. We're a bunch of whores. Um, ugh. Oh, ugh. my God. Gross. I'm so, like, ugh. It yeah, makes no. my skin crawl. Um, anyway, a month after the trial ended, uh, so basically this whole trial was just to restore her honor yeah um and prove that she wasn't damaged goods yeah um but so a month later her dad arranges a marriage for her to a man whose name is pierre antonio stiatesi i think that's right i have no idea if i said that right i did not take and i took spanish and then i switched to german um (laughs) so my italian is not very good um (laughs) but he was a modest florentine painter um, so they got married, uh, and oh, so this is this is just another note. So this was very necessary in 17th century Italy because it was a society governed by the Catholic Church, um, in order to secure her future as a successful painter. Uh, and underneath, in my own words, I said, "Because God forbid she walk around deflowered and unmarried, because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that's too much power." Oh, yeah, especially when you're a capable painter and you Mm -hmm. could pay your own way for the rest of your life. Oh, don't worry. We're getting there. So anyway, anyway, things things get much better for uh, Artemisia. Uh, She moves to Florence with her new husband. They have one daughter who they name Prudentia Prudentia, after her mother, um, who also became an artist. There's not a lot known about her daughter or her art I don't think I tried to find out if there were any paintings of hers that have survived I couldn't find anything on that um Mm. she and Pierre Antonio eventually separate we'll get to there in a second but in Florence Artemisia starts fucking knocking it out of the park um that's where she was accepted into the uh Academy of Arts and Drawing which which meant she didn't need no man (laughs) haha um or his permission to buy art supplies travel or sign contracts she could do it all on her own now because she oh was recognized God. as a real artist. It hurts my heart that you just had to say that sentence. Yes. Yeah, it hurts my heart too. Ugh. But she, again, fucking knocked it out of the park. Uh, became a successful court painter. Uh, again, this is where she met Cosimo II. Uh, one of the, Cosimo II de Medici. So this is where the Medici's come oh, in. Oh, yes. Um, she became friends with Galileo. <laughs> oh, as you do. Um, and said of herself in a letter to him, I have seen myself honored by all the kings and rulers of Europe and that her paintings would go on to provide evidence of her, of, of my fame, is what she said. Not, not her fame, because that would be weird if she was talking about herself in third okay. person. But, you know, yeah, she's talking to Galileo about her painting. Like, that's amazing. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then Michelangelo Bonarotti, the younger, that yep. is not the actual <laughs> Ma- Michelangelo, that's Michelangelo's nephew. And we know that because he has four he names. Has, he has four names, <laughs> not just two names, four <laughs> names. Um, he was in the process of setting up Casa Bonarotti, which is a museum in honor of the Michelangelo, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. the real Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. And not the fake one. Not the fake one. That's his nephew. Um, and asked Artemisia, along with other notable artists, to contribute paintings for the ceiling. Ooh. Um, which I included it in there. It is the um, 
allegory. So each one is asked to present an allegory of a virtue associated with Michelangelo. She gets assigned allegory of inclination, um, presented in the form of a nude young woman holding a compass. Uh, and it is believed that the subject bears a resemblance to Artemisia. Um, so yeah, so she made herself the subject of that painting. It looks um, a little bit like um, Temperance. <laughs> a little the tarot bit. Card. A little, a little bit. bit. Cuz she's got the the light shawl on this side and the dark shawl on that mm-hmm. side and her little chalice and her star. Yeah. And it's not it's it's, it's actually pretty. a giant compass. Oh. But it does you're right it does look like a chalice or a cup. Oh yeah, it just looks like a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it was the 1600s. They hadn't really gotten compasses, compasses were very different. Were very then. different back then. <laughs> um but yeah, so those are some cool stuff that happened to her in Florence. Um, even with all these accolades, she still had to fight for fair pay and validity. Um, she was re- in a letter to her patron, Don Antonio Ruffo. She snapped at him when he was haggling with her over a fee, saying, I was mortified to hear that you wanted to deduct one third of the already very low price I had asked, she wrote. Um I am displeased that for the second time I am being treated like a novice. Um, it must be in your heart, your lordship, to find little merit in me. In another letter to him, she pushed against some implicit sexism and said, and now I'll show you your most illustrious lordship what a woman can do. Bam. Um, so she is not, she's not, she's not messing around. Like, she's like, uh-uh, if I can do know, this. yeah. You know I can do this. You're not going to pay me less. And I'm going to show you what a woman can do. Like, Girl's been tortured with thumb screws. She's she not going to deal with your shit. She is not going to deal with your shit. Like, she's been through the ringer. Um, so they had to return to Rome after six years. Uh, partially because Pier Antonio was racking up a lot. Of, like, she was, she was doing really well. She was making money. She was making bank. Uh, Hubs could not keep his shit together and was like living extravagantly so they had a lot of finance issues but it was it's also believed that there were been recently a series of letters discovered that show that she had a passionate affair with a wealthy nobleman named Francesco Maria Marenghi I think is how you say it Um, and this is my favorite part Pierre Antonio seemed to be aware of the relationship because he would write on the back of her letters to him, like his own notes Ooh. to the guy. <laughs> uh, like, hey, bud, how you yeah, doing? Yeah, like, hey, bud, how you doing? <laughs> like, uh, and it's believed that he probably tolerated this relationship because he oh. was a powerful ally um, who provided them with financial support. Because again, boyfriend could, or not boyfriend, hubs, hubs could not keep, keep his it, shit together. Yeah, could not save a little money. Like, he had to spend that cash. Um, oh my which God. I just I I love that detail. It was just like she's having this passionate <laughs> affair with this guy. Uh, she's killing it as an artist. Has this hot like paramour, and then her husband is like, "Yeah, whatever." <laughs> like that's how I picture that conversation going down. I mean, it kind of seems yeah pretty um, pretty mellow. Yeah. So, but the combination of the financial problems and rumors of the affair starting to like surface. Uh, they moved back to Rome. That's when they separated, was when they returned to Rome. Um, I didn't realize you were allowed to do that. Like, just separate. Just, just separate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, especially in Italy. I didn't really, like, dig too much into this. Like, clearly they couldn't get divorced, and she doesn't, like, get remarried at any point. 
But I'm guessing they were just like, yeah, we're married, but mm, we're good. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Um, so she then lives and works in Rome for 10 years. Uh, this is the time when she paints the second ver- version of Judith. This one's actually um, in the Detroit Institute of Arts, if anybody wants to go see it. Oh. It's way less graphic, much more chill is the description I put in there way for less that. Graphic, way less graphic, much more chill. Way less graphic, much more chill. Uh, I did not include a visual of that one, but I will find one. That's um, fair. In 1630, she moves to Naples, hoping to find a more lu- more lucrative job opportunities. Um, and she remains there for the rest of the, her career, with the exception of a brief stint in London. Ooh. Um, Was she, like, painting... Yeah, she's so, painting people there in London. So here, here's what I think happens. Again, like it's not super clear on why she went. Um, the specific reasons why are not clear. Right. However, her dad had been commissioned by um, Charles I to decorate a ceiling allegory of triumph of peace and the arts uh, in the Queen's house in Greenwich, built for Queen Henrietta Maria. Oh. Um, so it seems like it was partially like she went to go paint with her dad because, you know, they had it. Again, it seems like they had a pretty good relationship. Um, and. Weird. Yeah, I don't. Again, it's like they, they seem to get along because they work together a lot. Um, and it's actually believed uh, like she might have moved to Naples to like be closer to her dad. Uh, I'm not sure. But. So that was one reason is she went to go help him paint this. But then uh, Charles I was notorious for being an enthusiastic collector. Um, So it's thought, like, you can't really turn, like, oh, you mean I get to go, like, be in Charles I's court and paint for him? Sure, like, because he's going to pay me a lot of money to do that. Um, And one of her other famous paintings, which is in there, uh, is called Self-Portrait as the Allegory of Painting uh was for she painted that for him uh and it is still to this day part of the royal collection it's amazing to me that she went to london to paint for the king Mm -hmm. and she gave him a self-portrait yeah (laughs) that is bad it's a really good self-portrait too fucking i mean it's beautiful yeah also like her dress is um i want it yeah but that's really good Taste. Yeah, I mean, that's like, those are some balls slash ovaries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so her dad died in 1639, very suddenly. Uh, mm. And this is where Artemisia's timeline sort of starts to get fuzzy um, because it's believed she left shortly after because she wasn't in England when the Civil War started in 1642. Um, but she doesn't reappear in Naples until 1649. So she could have been traveling. Mm. Like, there's just no record of where she was. The Civil War in... England. England. Yeah. Um, Is that, like, the Reformation or something? I think the, so. Like, yeah. Again, I did research. I did not do that much That's research. Okay. That's totally okay. <laughs> um, I was focused on my girl. Yeah. Um, so, but then nobody actually knows for sure when she passed away. Uh, some have thought or it was originally thought that she passed away sometime in 1652 or 53 but there's just evidence that she was accepting commissions as late as 1654 so we don't really know that for sure uh now it is speculated that she died in a 
plague that swept through Naples in 1656. Oh, sad. Yeah, it apparently decimated, like, an entire generation of, like, Neapolitan artists. Oh, God. uh, Which is really sad. Uh, So thanks to uh, modern hygiene and sewage systems for making plagues a thing of the very, 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 very far back past. Um, Her legacy after death is actually something I want to talk about, too, because it's really fascinating. Um, or not really fascinating. It's kind of infuriating. And then you go, yes, feminism. Um, because what happens is after she dies, her works fall into complete obscurity for about three centuries. Um, Jesus. Until a Caravaggio scholar publishes an article about Orazio and oh. Artemisia. So he writes about the dad and the daughter. Um, and then in 1947, a novel by Anna Banti called Artemisia comes out um, based on her life, but it's not really based on her life. It is just a central sense, ugh, just basically focusing on her rape and like, mm. you know, just talking about that and making it very sensational. And yep, uh, which is like was a very minor portion of her life. Yes, and she was badass before and badass after. Yes, and. Fuck the men who decided to take that chunk of her time. Yes. And her life. Exactly. Um, Unfortunately, though, that book uh, influenced a lot of the scholarship that was written about her. God damn it. um, For a a long time. Uh, This this one particularly made me really angry. Uh, In 1963, there were two, like a husband-wife historian team described her first as a lascivious and precocious girl. That's how they described her. Great. Before describing her highly honorable career as an an artist. Great, yeah, because that's the most important thing. Yeah. So we understand that she's a slut. Yes, yes, yes. She is a dirty, dirty slut. Um, (sighs) That's what we need to take away from this. Not that she's like a super badass lady artist in a time where women really weren't able to be artists and was yeah running circles painting circles i should say around her contemporaries but no let's talk about the fact that her tutor ugh, took advantage of her anyway uh thankfully mary d gerard the lady i quoted earlier came along Yay, um, mary she was she uh in the 70s and 80s there was a big push um of feminism in the art mm. world um, and Mary D. Gerard wanted to, as she said, end Gentileschi's reputation as the butt of one long historical dirty joke. Um, Ugh. yeah, like, she wrote a whole book on, like, you know, I, I give her full credit on, like, bringing her back, yeah. um, into the forefront, and I thank her so much for that, because high school me, ugh, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, <laughs> Then in 1976, she was included in a exhibition called Women Artists 1550 to 1950 um, at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Um, In the show's catalog, she was described as the first woman in the history of Western art to make a significant and undeniably important contribution to the art of her time. Um, yeah, man. I and mean, this is where she took yeah. the male gaze out of that shit. Yeah, and she that's did. revolutionary. Yes. Um, and then this is where I'm just going to like read directly from uh, the article on Artsy. Even today, Gentileschi's work is the constant subject of reassessment. Recent feminist essays have been written de emphasizing the role of her rape and assault in readings of her work. 
in an attempt to portray her as a constantly evolving artist rather than as a victim. Despite this back and forth through Gentileschi's impact on the history of art as a woman artist who fought against the adversity to pursue a career in painting is uncontested. The point is you cannot argue that she is important as an artist, not just as an artist who is a woman, but just like as an artist in general. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is Artemisia Donaleski. I love that. And I also love that you did her because <laughs> you have you have that like Bible background, you know, for lack of a better uh, way to say that. So you have a much better understanding of the importance of a lot of the visuals that she painted than I do. Well, I also am like a huge like I took I was very close to being an art history major in college. Mm. And so this is actually like I love dissecting like I mean, like we've talked about this, like I love comic books I love graphic like yeah. my two loves my two great loves <laughs> are like art like visual art but then writing so the written word right. um and like oh, so I just love her yeah um I discovered her when I was in high school I was in an art history <laughs> I was in an art history class because I'm a nerd um and up until that point like she, I think she was, again, this was like 10 years ago, so I don't remember exactly, but she was probably one of the first, if not the actual first, female artist we got to study. Um, and we went from like, you know, the tiny little like cave paintings and <laughs> the tiny little stone uh, that I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of, and I'm not going to even bother trying to remember it. Um, That's okay. I... Can't yeah, help you so yeah but no basically better. from cave paintings until the 1600s <laughs> it was all like dudes or non non-attributed artists uh and you know and then like I just remember the slide coming up and being like whoa because it was so different from anything else we had seen up yeah. until that point and then finding out what her name was like you know finding out like oh this is I was like so pumped. I was like, yes, like finally, like a woman, a woman artist. Like this is great. Like, oh my God, I love this painting. And it, yeah. it's it's a really, really powerful image. Um, it is actually, I don't know if it's confirmed or if it's just speculated, but this painting was actually, the Judith slaying her Holofernes was actually painted around the time that the trial was happening. Oh. Uh, and Judith looks a lot like Artemisia. Uh-huh. And Holifernes looks a lot like Tassie. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of people like speculate like this was like her revenge painting or like how she worked out her emotions about what happened to her. Yeah. Um, but it's just like it's just an amazing painting. And I just remember 17 year old me like freaking out about it um, to it's, the point where I'm still obs- like I'm almost 29 and I'm still obsessed with her. Where is that one? Did you say that one? I didn't say. Oh, I, it is in Florence. It's in the Uffizi, I think is how you say it again. Like all of this Italian. I think I've been there and I think I've seen it. That but I'm really jealous. If that's well, so my mom is is an 
artist. Mm-hmm. She went to art school and um, she spent a lot of time, you know, researching a lot of this stuff. And one of the things that she wanted to do with her inheritance when her dad died was go to Italy. Yeah. And so she and I went and we went to Florence oh, and we saw nice. we saw so much art. And the only obviously the only problem is like I you get overloaded. You get overloaded, but I also didn't have the background that she did to really you know subsume a lot of that what I was seeing and and the knowledge about what I was seeing but she was very good about explaining what we were looking at I so I'm sure I've seen it like I'm sure I'm sure she knows and I'm sure I'm sure I've laid my eyes on it and I feel like a terrible (laughs) (laughs) that is okay it's that I know after the fact that you saw it that I may have seen it and also all of the history behind it you know yeah but but yeah, so that's Artemisia. Well, I love I it. love her. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Dude. Yeah. You did such a good job. Thank you. I was I was worried I was flubbing it. A Not at places, all. But well, you did a little bit of on this day. I did. In history. I did. You I did have, everything. I did. Every, I was so excited. I also want you to tell me what you're excited about versus yes, me because I can do you that. have good stuff. I do have good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. So let me do on this day first. Okay. Um. What's so, today? Today, well, today is the 8th. We're recording on the 8th, uh-huh. but this is coming out, I think you told me, on the 13th. So March 13th. This is the, this is the on this day right. I have prepared, so hopefully that's the right day. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. So I'm going to go in chronological order, too. I organized it. Check you out. Um, so in 607, the 12th recorded perihelion. I looked this word up because I had no idea what it meant. Thank it means God. the point of the orbit of a planet, asteroid, or comet at which it is closest to the sun. Ooh. Um, so this is the 12th recorded perihelion passage of Halley's Comet. Oh. Uh, and then, again, because I'm a super, super lax, lapsed Muslim woman, uh, <laughs> I felt I had to include this. 624, the Battle of Badr. Uh, Mohammed's Muslim forces win significant victory over Meccan army. Whoa. So... Okay. Yeah, I felt like, again, because I spent a whole bunch of time talking about the Bible, I needed to redeem myself a little bit. But this is what I love about the On This Day in History, is, like, looking at what, like, when Deanna's here, Mm -hmm. what she chooses versus what I might choose to look at. It's one of the reasons I like doing it. So, you know, we get a new perspective this week. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, 1759, 27th recorded perihelion passage of Halley's <laughs> Comet. I just love that. Uh, 27 is my favorite number, so I had to throw that in there. Yes, you did. Um, 1781, William Herschel sees what he thinks is like, oh, I was gonna, oh, I was gonna make such a, uh, 1780, uh, I ruined this. 1781, Hannah, guess what's discovered? What? Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That was. You can feel free to cut that. I can do that no very way. differently. Um, but yeah, William Herschel sees what he thinks is a comet, but it's actually Uranus. Uranus. Yes, the planet. <laughs> uh, not not that, someone mooning him. Yes, through not. Those yeah, that would be really funny though yeah. if that had happened. Um, 1798. Abigail Fillmore, American first lady, is born in Stillwater, New York. Oh. Um, 18. This one's less. This is this is very depressing. 1865, Confederate President Jefferson Davis signs a bill authorizing the use of slaves as soldiers in the U.S. Civil War. Wow, Jefferson Davis, you're a real fucking stand-up mm-hmm. dude, aren't you? Yep. Uh, this one's funny because I felt like we needed something a little light after that. 1877, American Chester Greenwood patents earmuffs <laughs> after inventing them at age 15. Oh, yes. 
I thought that was funny. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Um, oh, my God. 1881, funny that we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Alexander II, czar of Russia, is assassinated by members of the far-left terror group the People's Will at 62. Oh, what year was that, you said? 1881. Wow. Uh, and actually, so mm. the next one, uh, I had a minor panic attack where I was like, wait, is already me- like, should I not do my girl that I have been saying? Like, I've been literally like, that has been the person I've wanted to do. Uh, I had a panic attack <laughs> yesterday, a mini one, uh, when I read this and was like, maybe I should do her. We haven't, they haven't done her yet. Uh, 1905, Mata Hari performs her dance act at the oh. Guimet Museum in Paris. I'm sorry, French oh. people, for mispronouncing that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, if Deanna were here, she would slap you, but, yeah. you know, she's not, so. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Deanna. Um, 1906. Wait, who was Mata Hari? Mata Hari really was quick. a uh, courtesan, uh, exotic dancer, and spy. Uh, she has a really awesome she's story. She's very fascinating. I did a bunch of, like, I started skimming research her, and then I was like, no, no, no. Like, I, it would be great to have done it since it is on the day. But yeah. I was like, no, I got to go with my original girl. Oh, um, shit. Well, and I'm the one who loves spies. So, so. yeah, I, I, I actually did think that. I was like, Hannah does love spies. Maybe I should leave the spy <laughs> for Hannah. Um, but 1906, Susan B. Anthony dies of pneumonia at 86. Oh, wow. She lived a long life. She did live a long life. Um, there was, in 1943, a failed assassination te- attempt on Adolf Hitler. Ugh. Yeah. I really wish it had succeeded. That would have saved a lot of a lot of people. Which year? Uh, 1943. Yeah. yeah. Still <laughs> a lot of people would have died, I Yeah, think. a lot of people probably would have still died, but... But, yeah. Yeah. It would have been nice if that had... You know. Yeah, if that had worked out. Uh, 1961, Pablo Picasso, at age 79, marries his model, Jacqueline Roch, who is, I, oh, I can't believe I did that. Uh, why do I even try? Uh, <laughs> she was 37. <laughs> she was 37. I just like that age difference. I needed to point it out. How old is he? He was 79 and she was 37. Yeah, he was... He was very suave, apparently. Uh, had a lot of lot of lovers. God damn. Uh, 1968, the Beatles released Lady Madonna in the UK. Oh, all right. Uh, less less fun, uh, but if you love true crime, very important. 1980, American John Wayne Gacy receives the death sentence in Illinois for murdering 12 people. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of him. Uh, 1992. Martina Navratilova and Judy Nelson settle their palimony suit. What is... Uh, so Martina Navratilova was a tennis, a really, really great tennis player. Oh. And this was, again, 1992. Gay marriage wasn't a thing. So she and her partner had... Uh, I don't know what the... They, like, basically had a legal agreement that they, like, to recognize their... Oh. Like a civil union? Yeah, it was, a, it was a civil, it was kind of like a civil union. From the research I did, it wasn't actually a civil union. Um, or maybe, I'm I'm sorry, I don't know legal anything. Dude, that's okay. But they had a legal thing in place to recognize their relationship. Then they broke up and uh, mm. sued each other because they wanted more money from each other. Um, cool. And I just, I, I thought that was super interesting because it was 1992. Um, yeah. And that was super, super early. Um, 
And 2004, Luciano Pavarotti performs in his last opera, uh, Tosca, at the New York Metropolitan Opera. I feel like I remember when that happened, which would make sense because 2004, I was alive. I was here in this world. Yes, I was 14 and I was, I did not care um, and did not pay attention. Uh, 2013, um, Cardinal, I can't say his real name, uh, New Pope, Pope Francis, Mm. 2013 okay um and then this is the last one and i like this one because i was just like let's end on a wedding i think this is great in 2017 dave franco and allison brie wed in a private ceremony oh yeah those crazy kids. those crazy kids i like them i thought that was cute i saw him once jogging in uh <laughs> central park oh my god and he was much smaller than I thought he I was, was going to be. Is he tiny? He, he is looks very tiny. tiny. Yeah, he is very tiny, um, and at the time very sweaty because it was like June in Central Park. <laughs> Don't do that, Dave Franco. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the day in history. I love Lots it. Lots of things. Um, I love it, dude. Well, yeah. tell me really quick what you did for your birthday. Well, well it's was, kind of. It, it, Things happened that made it not my birthday present anymore. But uh, <laughs> last night, I went to see um, Captain Marvel. So yeah, that was my – that was that's my thing that I'm happy about is I got to see that. No spoilers, but it was real – it was good. It was good. It was very good. Um, I think – I would have enjoyed it more if I didn't have to wait 11 fucking years for it. <laughs> yes. Um, I I get that that's me being super bitter and angry about it because I, to give people backstory, I am, as I clued everybody in, my two favorite things in the world are visual art and writing and anything that can combine the two. I am about. Uh, yeah. So I love comic books. I love graphic novels. Um, I've been a huge, like, comic book movie fan forever um and I have literally been one of those people going well where's the Black Widow movie like from the second they introduced her in Iron Man 2 I was like where's where is my Black Widow movie I want to see that everybody wants to see that movie come on why don't we have that yet um I actually wrote a article about how I thought DC had an opportunity to fill a gap um Oh, you should uh, send me the yeah, link I'll to that Yeah, I'll send you the link to that uh, because basically in the span of like a year, they had two movies that had – they had Wonder Woman come out and then Suicide Squad come out, which had Harley Quinn in it. Uh, then they announced that they were either going to do a Batgirl movie or mm. – um, a movie called Gotham City Sirens, which was going to be led by, like, that movie was going to focus on Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. Yeah. Like, and they were going to do that in the span of, like, five years of the DC Universe being introduced. And it's it took them, I think it was nine years before, nine or ten years before they had Ant-Man and Wasp come out, mm-hmm. which is, like... And it, it, it's not even just a solo female-led movie. It's Ant-Man and Wasp. Right. Um, Ant-Man still comes first. Ant-Man still comes first. Uh, although Wasp is really fucking badass. I did um, really like that movie I did too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I think I would be, I think there's like a lot of like 
anger and frustration that it took them so like and part of it part of it I get like from a storytelling perspective like they had they have the trajectory like but number one like this movie is set in the 90s so like it's like a prequel to all the other movies so I'm just sort of frustrated I'm like okay well like you should have made that movie first then like I well, they they created their trajectory yeah. long before people were like, hey, where are our, f-? or long before, mm-hmm. I say that as if people weren't always asking for that, but before they were hearing that people were asking yeah. for female-led superhero movies. So they created yeah. this long trajectory, and I and it seems to me like the one of the reasons Captain Marvel is set in the 90s is because that was like the one way they could figure out how to shoehorn yeah. a female-led superhero movie into their very carefully curated lineup yeah. of superhero movies. I mean, I'm glad that they did it, mm-hmm. especially because I think Marvel movies have been historically better than DC movies. I Oh, it hurts me to say it, but I have to agree with you. I Yeah, sadly. I mean, yeah. Zack Snyder, I think, is is just a trash filmmaker (laughs) he makes the worst movies i would agree and i don't i'm not a big fan he's not good and people i mean honestly like his his fingerprint on wonder woman really i i could see it and Mm -hmm. i did not like it i'm probably in the minority there that's another that's a discussion for another day (laughs) um but I am glad that you got to see it. and I, I am too. Cool. I was really happy to see it. And it's the first movie. So just, again, to show you what a comic book nerd I am, I and 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 don't worry, G shot this down very quickly. um i have I have a puppy, and I was very, very close to naming her. It is a girl dog. I was gonna name her Stan Lee. <laughs> oh. uh, because that is I'm like I'm getting teary eyed just like talking about him but like mm-hmm. I or Jack I was gonna do either Jack Kirby or Stanley and I was like very adamant about it but then he shot me down and so now her she's named after David Bowie <laughs> perfectly um, so I found acceptable. a way <laughs> yeah perfectly acceptable um but it's the first one that's come out since and this is not a spoiler. This doesn't ruin anything of the movie, but it's the first one that's come out since he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't have a Stanley cameo. No, thank God it does. Oh, it does. He he pre-filmed all of his cameos, so we definitely have Stanley up until Spider-Man. Oh, um, holy which is shit! Awesome. But the opening like credit Marvel thing mm-hmm. that comes up, um, which originally was the comic book pages, and then they started using footage from the old. Uh, the older movies. Uh, this time it was all Stan Lee. Oh, and I get choked up. Um, and then afterward it said, "Thank you, Stan." Oh my God, you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, oh, like, I just like what he was able to do with like creating char- like creating characters, creating storylines. Um, it's just amazing. I like know. he's an amazing storyteller, and I'm so sad that he is not here anymore to continue doing that. But his legacy is. I know his and legacy all the people is he very inspired. yes. He's inspired so many people. So like he, I know he's gone, but not forgotten. But it's still like, ugh. I think that was one of the most beautiful things about the one of the most beautiful things about the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. movie is just how clear his legacy is in that like how deeply uh how deeply he affected these these people these writers and these filmmakers because they were able to bring that movie which is so fucking brilliant 
to life and and that's all due to him like it's there it's there and it'll be there for a long time but (sighs) anyway um girl yeah thank you thank you i i hope everybody likes my lady and didn't mind me stepping in to Deanna's shoes for today. I think you did a great job and I think um, Deanna is gonna have to try try extra hard next time <laughs> to um, no I'm just kidding Deanna you you still have your job it's fine. But maybe sometimes I can come in more I would very happily do that. Hey <laughs> if you can bring in awesome uh, bible stories and <laughs> Also, just like badass ladies, then I can you're hired. definitely provide both of those things. <laughs> you might need to become our religion consultant because we we say a lot of dumb things. That is very dangerous for all three of us because, like, I I do not pretend. Like, listen, my my in very very heavy expertise, very heavy quotation marks expertise, comes from like I went to Catholic school for eight years. But I lit like I grew up in a very Jewish suburb of New York or New York. So like I I had a bunch of Jewish friends, even though I went to Catholic school and then I'm Muslim. So that's like, what makes it so we'll talk. We'll OK, talk. we'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk rates and, you know, all of that. <laughs> Um, but otherwise, I think that I concludes think our it. show. If you just uh, hang on, listen to our outro for all of our social media. Yay. Um, come say hi on Twitter and on Instagram. And otherwise, leave us a review. Um, we also take emails. And if you tell us some fun stories, we will read them on this show. And um, otherwise, peace out, witches. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is hosted by Deanna Greif. Me. You. And you. (laughs) Hannah Ferguson. And we're produced by Benjamin Garst. Um, You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Play. Google Play. Pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcasts, you can find us there. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, GWBB Podcast. You can also email us at gwbbpodcast at gmail.com. We love to receive emails. If you have a story about a woman in your life that you want to hear on air, uh, shoot it over to us. We would love to read it. If you want to help keep us running, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gwbbpodcast. (laughs) Become a patron and help us you know, pay for our hosting. Yeah, Patreon really helps content creators be able to continue to create their content. And it just kind of helps us break even on the costs of producing this podcast. And it would be really awesome if you wanted to help out. If you like it, you can be a part of it. Also, to help us out, you can rate, review, and subscribe. All of, the, all of those things are extremely helpful for us. They help other listeners find us. Yeah. Word of mouth, also good. Yeah. <laughs> our website is gwbbpodcast.com. You can find all of our episodes there as well as some other things bubbling out of our witchy cauldron. Good Witches, Bad Bitches is powered by Moon Bounce. Moon Bounce.